0: What is up, everyone, and welcome into ADZ Sports Dallas primetime on a Tuesday night. Welcome, everyone, into the show. My name is Mauricio Rodriguez, streaming with you live every Sunday through Thursday night at 8 p.m. Central here on Dallas On Demand Sports Talk Network. With a lot more content coming your way, make sure that you check out adcsports.com slash Dallas. And as always, remember that Prime Time is brought to you by the website, of course. And ladies and gentlemen, do me a favor and hit the like button for me because remember that every thumbs up puts this show in front of more and uh, Cowboys fans. So welcome, everyone, both YouTube and Facebook. We've got Dominic in the Facebook chat saying that he is not missing this live. I appreciate it. Uh, Ines, what's up? Katharina, who else do we have here? Uh, Mark, Aaron. Toxic Tom Katharina is saying, is it true that we're trading Gallup? No, no, it is not true. There are there are too many Facebook accounts out there. Don't don't take pretty much anyone for for accurate unless it's like a bit reporter or something like that. That's not happening. Uh calling, what is up? Welcome into the show. Roman Great, what's up? Steve as well. Thank you everyone for being around here. We've got Michael too. I appreciate every one of you, Lance, Paul, here we go. Paul is the number one fan of primetime, man. Paul Paul is out here always, always bringing the support into the show, bringing the engagement, and I really appreciate him and all of you. Let's get into it tonight because, man, it is tough to try to predict the Cowboys' 53-man roster. Last night, we had Aisha Morrison from the Dallas Cowboys Podcast Network, on the show. Let me tell you, that was one of the most fun I've had on primetime. Since they changed that this season. But last night, we had fun while also getting into the nitty-gritty of the Cowboys roster, getting into the difficult conversations that don't really have a correct answer, but it's still super fun to explore them. That's what we were doing last night. If you missed that show, I really recommend you checking it out. Tonight, what we will be doing is exploring the 53-man roster or my projection of it. If you're interested in reading the notes and reading the names that are making it, but also seeing the names that were cut you can check that out on the website for those of you tuning in from YouTube you can also check it out on the YouTube description it's the the article is linked so let's get it started uh we're doing a different format this time that we did last year cuz last year i went uh well earlier in this year actually we went position by position this time around i wanted to get all of the offense in one slide so we can visualize it together just how the positions play between each other. Because when you look at just quarterback, running back, tight end, wide receiver, you don't see the full picture. And I think that's what this show is about, is about seeing the full picture. So let's go ahead and do that. Let's start with the offense. But I'm going to ask you first, who is one guy on offense that you are rooting hard for in the 53-man roster? Especially talking about those long shot players. Here we go. Qatar Air, though, has a question, and that is how does the IR, the injured reserve, work? No one can pick them up if they are on IR like Stephens. That is right. So if you place a player on injured reserve at this point in time, then you cannot play them for the remainder of the season, and no one else can sign them because they're on the team. But that is like they don't count towards the fifty-three man roster for uh, for this year, but they cannot play, and they cannot play even in week eighteen, even in the playoffs. If like a magician comes around and they magically fix their their knee from one day to another, boom, a genie maybe. None of that works. Uh, they cannot activate him if they if he goes into IR at this moment. The difference is with the players that you think are going to be able to come back later in the year. Some of them, you want to keep them on the roster and then they stay on the roster for like less than one day or one full day and then they are sent to IR and those are the players that you would be hoping to get back later in the year. That is how that works and that is a big question uh over the next few days we could get into those details if you if y'all want uh let's see here some of the names that you guys are rooting for Roman says Jalen Tolbert on the roster hey listen I am with you Roman but I will say I think that Tolbert has been such a riser this offseason and this preseason that you're gonna be fine Roman Tolbert is definitely making the cut at this point Uh, Qatar goes with, I want to see Jalen Brooks shine. Lance Bell says, it's truly about who will survive practice squad. So much talent, Land will not survive on practice squad. I I think, spoiler alert, spoiler alert, I think Land has a very good shot at the 53-man roster. So let's go. Let's get into it. Let's get into the offense first. And I'm going to go position by position, but you can see all of the offense on the screen right now. It's 24 players on that side of the football. And let's start with the QBs. Dak Prescott, Cooper Rush make it in this position. Will Greer, to me, doesn't. Now, I want to clarify something here because I've seen many people work with the misunderstanding uh, misunderstandment of the new emergency QB rule. And I've had some discussions about it on Twitter so far. But many people say that you can have a third QB with the new emergency rule and have him not count towards the 53. That is not accurate. That is not how the rule works. For you to carry a emergency QB, for those of you who are not familiar with the rule, it is a third quarterback that suits up for game day, but that cannot play unless the other two QBs are injured. So if the starting quarterback goes down and then the backup quarterback goes down in the same game, then the emergency QB can enter the game without counting towards the game day roster limit, which is 48-49, right? Uh, All right, we can get to the 48-49 thing later because it depends on how many offensive linemen you're carrying, et cetera, et cetera. And actually, I think it's 48 with the offensive line limit and then 49th would be the, the quarterback if I'm not mistaken, but he doesn't count towards the limit essentially, but that is the game day roster. That is one thing, you know, you have your active players, the ones who are active. That is your game day roster for you to be the emergency QB. You do need to count towards the 53 man roster. So will Greer, If he makes a team would be taking up one spot. I just wanted to clarify that part of the rule. And to me, man, to me, that is not worth it. I don't think you're ever going to be in a situation where your starting QB goes down, your backup QB goes down, and you want that 53rd player to be a quarterback just in case that scenario plays out. I don't buy it. I don't think it's the way to go. Uh, This might change if we're talking about the playoffs, maybe. Like, if you're talking about postseason football and you really want to cover your butt as much as you can, I guess you carry an emergency QB. But even if you are down to your third QB in the postseason, you're probably done already. But, I mean, you're doing the best you can at that point, I guess. So that is a QB debate right now. I don't think that there is a debate at all between Rush and Greer. I think this is Cooper Rush's job. More than clearly. Maybe last season we felt like Greer was putting up a little bit of a fight. That is not the case in 2023. Let's get to the running backs. And let me, hey, let me know where you disagree with me on the running backs, if you do at all. Because this is a tough position to figure out. I've got Tony Pollard, obviously, making the team. I've got Rika Dowdle making the team and essentially being the second team back for the cowboys and i think we're all in agreement that deuce vaughn is making it too but then there are a few names that could be involved in this discussion too you could be talking about malik davis potentially making the roster over dowdle or maybe like as the fourth running back you could have that conversation And you could also have a conversation about Hunter Liebke. Now, Rojo has to serve his suspension. We know all of that. But you could also talk about Hunter Liebke making it more as a fullback than anything else. So Pollard, Dowdle, Vaughn are my three running backs. Let me know where you disagree with that. If you do at all, maybe you you agree. Uh, This is the first time in the year, and I've had like three to four roster projections, if I remember correctly, where I don't have Lipke in it. I don't have Lipke in it. Because I really thought that Hunter was going to make this team, but it does seem to me like it was a battle against Sean McKeon over at the tight end room. Because we know that McKeon was the guy competing with Lipke in that H-back role, which also involves a lot of blocking assignments in the backfield. Sure, McKeon is a tight end, but he has been doing that for the Cowboys in camp in the preseason. And I think that McKeon looks superior to to Lipke right now. And I'm not sure what the deal is with the Cowboys coaching staff and Lipke because what we've seen from him from the rookie in the preseason so far, honestly, there have they have been running back snaps. We have not really seen fullback snaps for Hunter Lipke like. It's been a very limited sample size. And I think that the Cowboys are convinced that Sean McKeon is their guy. Let's see some of your comments right now. Hunter on the practice squad says Lance. I would assume that is the case. I would assume that Hunter would be one of the priority guys that you want to get into the PS. Uh, McKeon can play fullback, says Qatar Air. And I agree. Uh, I agree, says Katharina. Philip says Greer and Davis should be on a practice squad. Not on a fifty-three man roster, and under this projection, uh, Philip, I would agree with you because that's how I have it right here. Anthony says Jalen Tolbert has made a big jump because I knew from last year with the receiver coach that what there was something wrong with them teaching him what they was teaching to him. Says Anthony, I I, I will say this, I don't know where I would place the blame on that. As Anthony is saying in the chat, like I wouldn't know if you would have to point a finger towards Tolbert or towards Prince or toward... I'm not I'm not going to say Kellen or McCarthy because I think they're removed from that situation a little bit. So it's either on Tolbert or the wide receiver coach. But I'm going to say that is the same wide receiver coach that's coaching up everybody else, right? And then it's Houston made the roster. And then it's Houston was playing in week one. So... Not on a negative way, but I'm going to say this. Since in a positive way, I am mostly crediting Jalen Tolbert for his bounce back, then I'm also primarily primarily blaming him for, for the disappointing rookie season. But that doesn't matter anymore. It's in the rearview mirror. As I said, I would much rather just give him props right now for the way that he's turned it around. But that is the perfect segue into the wide receiver position where you've got City Lamp, Michael Gallup, Brandon Cooks. That is your starting three with Lamp being the primary slot receiver, Gallup being the primary isolated receiver, the X guy. And then Brandon Cooks is going to be the vertical threat, but we know that he's going to be doing a little bit of everything as well. Let's say the obvious. This wide receiver unit is so much better than last year. And people like to say, Hey, Dak Prescott, the interceptions, let the NFL, that needs to change. You know what's going to help? Guys at the top of the roster. That's what you're getting there. Separation. Because we know that Cooks can gain it with his amazing footwork. We're hoping that Gallup looks healthier. And so far we know that it- I mean, based on training camp, he does look healthier and he does look better. And with CeeDee, we know what he's capable of. And more than that, I'm pretty excited about the jump that he can take. Last year, we were talking about the jump from becoming the number two guy, turning into the number one guy. Now we're talking about a full season worth of experience under his belt, being the alpha in the wide receiver unit. So I'm excited about that. It's another year of work. Between him and Dak Prescott, working as that QB wide receiver duo. And then you get Tolbert as the number four guy who now we are even hoping that it can push for some wide receiver three snaps as well. So uh, it's too soon for that, I know, because we will only see Tolbert increases in action. But it's getting fun. It's getting fun because you're looking at that wide receiver unit and you're getting excited. I do believe Turpin makes it. I know that we've had so many discussions about it. I know that I've been a Turpin is skeptic for most of the offseason, but I don't see the Cowboys moving on from him. And obviously, the biggest thing about Turpin is he is a special teams role as a returner, both on kickoff and punts. That's going to be exciting. And then the last wideout that I've got to make in the team has to be Jalen Brooks cuz everyone ha- who has been around training camp has spoken about jalen brooks and people agree that he is what the cowboys were looking for when they drafted him in the seventh round of the nfl draft he's got the size he's gonna be the special teams guy too uh, among the wideouts not as a returner but as a player on special teams and we know that the cowboys need those special teams ace now aces now because they lost Luke gifford in free agency. Obershaw was going to be a big part of it. Got injured. Season-ending injury. We know that Stevens was also getting that uh, special teams love. Not an option anymore. CJ Goodwin might be about to make it. Kelvin Joseph might make it. So you're talking about those guys too, but you need all the special teams guys that you can. and, And Brooks can be that for the Cowboys. This is what I meant with last night with Aisha talking about how Simifio Hoko had to be one of the biggest followers of the preseason so far because he went from being in the conversation to be the fourth wideout versus Jalen Tolbert to now not even outplaying Jalen Brooks for that final roster spot. And again, this is just a projection, but I do think we all kind of agree that this is a pretty much very expected consensus situation at the end of the preseason having Brooks over Ferjoko there now the tight ends get interesting as well let's move into the tight ends now I've got Jake Ferguson looks good maker nobody doubts those two are making the team those are locks and then before the John Stephens injury I was starting to buy into the narrative I was starting to buy into the idea of having Stevens making it over Hendershot or over McKeon. With McKeon, the thing is that they were different types of players. And with Hendershot, the idea was like, okay, they're more or less playing for the same role. Wouldn't make a lot of sense to keep those two, but not keep McKeon unless you kept Hunter Lipke. Uh, so it was a weird situation. But ultimately, with the Stevens injury, I do think it's very likely that the Cowboys carry these four guys. And this is where I think we could also open up a parenthesis and say the Cowboys are going to do some weird stuff like before game day in week one because they might carry some players that are going to be headed to IR or whatever. And then they're going to, like last year, when they started the year with just one quarterback and then called up Cooper Rush from the practice squad for week one, expect that kind of weird, wild stuff to happen but you cannot really predict that. You, you, So we're playing under the understanding of who they're going to be calling up, who they're, you know, all of that. Um, let's call this the roster after day one, maybe. Uh, that is how I look at roster projections at this time of the year. So I've got those four tight ends making it. The Cowboys were wildly successful with... 12 personnel groupings, 13 personnel groupings, 14 personnel groupings. We were talking about the four horsemen last year. I don't know if that is going to be as much as an emphasis, not only after Kellen Moore is gone, but after the Cowboys have used it for 2022. I don't know if that's going to make a comeback this year. I am looking forward to seeing if it does, but I think that the Cowboys like these four guys. They each, do something different, right? So Schoonmaker and Ferguson are going to be the most versatile players, probably. Hendershot is more of a pass catcher threat. And then McKeon, we know, is going to be more of an H-back type player who we're going to see in the backfield quite a lot. Those are my predictions so far. Let's see what you guys have to say in the chat. So far, we've got Professor O around here. Let me say hi. Uh, Oh, wait, I was about to spoil... The defense, the defense roster. Week one roster, says Professor O. That is a good way of putting it. Let's see. Anthony says, I don't disagree with you. I agree with the running backs. And the running backs are complicated. Stephen White, though, says, hey, there's got to be four running backs in there. Professor O says, see you later, Fejoko. Colin says, 10th offensive line can be acquired by a trade or a waiver claim. You know, if the Cowboys do go for outside help before cutdown day, it's either going to be at an offensive line or maybe linebacker. I agree; like those are the two positions that you would likely be worrying about if you're the Cowboys going into cutdown day. Speaking of offensive line, Stephen Jones said today, uh, via Michael Gelkin, I believe, is the one who tweeted this out that the Cowboys are going to be carrying either nine offensive linemen or ten offensive linemen. It was actually Todd Archer from ESPN who tweeted about this, now that I remember. I've got nine. This is where I'm at, and I kind of realized this until I was putting the roster together. I thought that Chuma was going to make it just because of how much they were using him before his injury, just because of how many holes he could feel for the Cowboys as a depth player. I don't see a though, making the team anymore. And that is for several reasons. Let's go through the list here before we get into them. Your starting five, obviously. So Tyron, Tyler, Fiatish, Martin, and Steele. Those are your starting five. And then I have go making it. I think he's the likeliest swing tackle. I could see him also being the Right side backup with a Sim Richards being the left side backup because I don't know that we saw Will Let's Go play on both sides of the ball all that much. So maybe the Cowboys don't really have a swing tackle. Maybe just they just have particular players for each side. And then Matt Farniak, I know that he hasn't been impressive, but I don't know who's your other backup center if it's not him. So I got to carry him on my 53. To me, he's more than a lock than many think. And then I've got Josh Ball. And he's my ninth offensive lineman. I'm struggling with this one. And and trust me, Aisha made me second guess myself a little bit last night when we were talking about TJ Bass potentially making it over Josh Ball. Because the thing about Ball is we know, hey, with Ball, we know the guy can run block. That is not a concern when it comes to number 75. The concern is... When Dak Prescott is going to drop back into the pass, can Josh Ball not put him in danger? Because when we are thinking about it in function of Dak Prescott, that's when we get a little bit nervous. So could the Cowboys end up deciding, you know what? Give us TJ Bass over Josh Ball. It wouldn't be a huge surprise. For now, I'm riding with the veteran because we know that they like him more than the fans do, probably. And we also know that he's been having a strong preseason. So I'm not about to drop the guy from my projection. If you had asked me before the preseason if I expected Josh Ball to be on the team, I would have said no. This is the first projection in which Josh Ball is included for me. Respect where respect is due, I guess, or at least in a football point of sense. But I mean... I think that he has earned his spot on the roster. But again, I will say TJ Bass is a guy who could steal the spot away from him. Let's see what you guys have to say, though, in the chat. McKeon, there you go. You nailed the offense, Paul. Hey, thank you, Paul. I appreciate it. Thank you, thank you. Hey, you know what's stressful? (laughs) This is just, like, supposed to be a fun exercise, for us to get to know the offense a little bit better and the defense and kind of understand every storyline going into cut down day. But then I'm staring at the screen for like 15 minutes with my stomach hurting, and it's just supposed to be a silly exercise, but you can feel the stress right when you are in it, when when you are uh, making it happen. It's a fun exercise, and it really drives home the point that Sometimes it really is just a numbers game. But I'm gonna warn you. I'm gonna warn you. If you if you agreed with the offense, Paul and everybody else, if you guys agreed with the offense, get ready for a more heated discussion when we get it to the defense in just a minute here, because that is a tough one to figure out. And you know where the trouble starts when you don't know which players are what. Like Sure, Sean C. Colson is listed as a defensive end, but is he? Sure, Michael Parsons is listed as a linebacker, but he's not a linebacker, at least not in the modern sense of linebackers and edge rushers, right? So we're gonna get into that right now. And we're gonna get into the defense. And I want you to tell me like everything that you disagree with. Or if you agree with everything, which would be awesome. But hey. Also, if you disagree with it, it's going to be awesome because we're going to get into some fun conversation. So no more uh, talk. Let's get into it. On defense, I'm carrying more players. So I went 24 on offense. I'm keeping 26 on defense. And I'm going pretty short at defensive tackle. And I'm going pretty long at edge rusher. It gets a little bit... But blurry here, though, because, again, the Cowboys do list Chauncey Golston as a defensive end. I don't think that he is a defensive end in the Cowboys scheme. Like I think that he's an interior defensive lineman. So at defensive tackle, the guys that I have is uh, basically Osa and Golston as my three techniques. And then Massey Smith and Jonathan Hankins as my nose tackle. There are a couple of notable cuts here, and that would be Quinton Vohana and that would be Neville Galber. Vohana could really play his way into the roster. We were talking about it last night with Aisha. He has had such a good preseason. We know that Massey is going to take some time. And, you know, the preseason was a reminder of that. It's not even a knock on Massey; Like he's a defensive tackle, it's a position that takes time. And we were reminded of it with the first two exhibition games so could they feel more comfortable by keeping Bohana on the 53 maybe and that's one of the biggest questions that I have now talking about the three technique guys where you basically just have Oza and Goldston and you're cutting Gallimore in this situation uh, that might be outrageous for so many people and I don't I don't hate you for it but here's my reasoning. I think William Fajoko is going to be playing inside quite a lot. But it's not even limited to him. How many times did we see Lawrence playing inside? How many times did we see Michael Parsons, even as a stand-up rusher, playing inside? And the same for pretty much everyone. Durant Armstrong, Williams, Fowler, maybe Fowler a little bit less. But One of the reasons I'm also going short at defensive tackle is I think Isaiah Land is going to make it. I think there's got to be a way to have Isaiah Land on the team. I think he's a 53-man roster member right now. He's one of the guys that I I struggle a little bit fitting him into it because I also don't think the Cowboys are going to want to move on from Armstrong if he's healthy. I don't see them. Wanting to move on from Fowler either because he's been good since he was brought in, and we know that Williams, Lawrence, and micah are not even part of this conversation, so they're not going anywhere. They're not cutting fejoko a fourth-round draft pick. They're they're just not doing that. So how do you keep Isaiah Land? I the only way is for you to go long at edge rusher, which is what I did in this projection. And, you know, the reason why I love Land in this projection is he doesn't only look with well, like he has upside. He looks like a player that could be contributing late in the year, but this year as a rookie even. And we know that Dan Queen likes him. We know that he's been scouting him closely since last year when he was studying Marquise Bell. So it's a more complicated situation on defense. But let's see what you guys have to say, though. Let's see what you guys have to say. And, and we have not even gotten to the cornerbacks, which are impossible to deal with. But yeah, let's see what you guys have to say, though. Uh, I like Land, says Lance. He's raw, but he is very talented. And the thing that I like about Land is that although I agree that he is raw, and that is probably the reason why he went undrafted, I've seen him win with his hands. In in football and maybe that doesn't translate to sundays right away in september but can he get there faster than we would have hoped for because man i've seen him win with his hands i've seen him win uh playing long fully extended arms just playing with the leverage right there in the trenches so i could see land really developing at a quicker pace than than many would have thought he was going to uh, Stephen, White, uh, Stephen White says Land will play linebacker. He hasn't though. He he's an edge rusher. I mean, maybe he's gonna play outside linebacker, which is basically an edge rusher. So my my language here on the projection, just to avoid any confusion, is oh sorry. In inside defensive line, that's what I'm thinking about when I say defensive tackle, and then edge rushers. Defensive ends, outside linebackers, edge rusher. That is, a, that is a way to describe them when you're talking about an overall sense of the team. You're not talking uh, specifics of the scheme as a coach, maybe. And then off-ball linebackers. Let's get to that conversation here. Leighton Van Theresh, Clark. And then I've got Jabril Cox and Devin Harper making it too. Can Malik Jefferson surprise? I don't think so. Uh, he's also dealing with an injury, so it's tougher for him to. Uh, can Tyrus wet make the more the most out of this conversation? He is more of an hybrid player that has been lining up at the defensive line and also as an off ball linebacker. I think he would be hard pressed to make the team, but you never know. I'm going short at linebacker, as you can see, and this was also more or less my plan before. The Marvin Overshown overshone injury. But with overshone, it was much easier to go with five linebackers. And right now, I just don't see who the fifth guy is unless you trade for somebody, unless you sign somebody, unless you do something different. But right now, what I think the Cowboys' plan is going to be is going to the season. Play with LV and the clark as your starting linebackers. Maybe rotate Harper a little bit more than you thought you were going to. But mostly, replace the missing linebacker with your safeties. Because I think with the way that Dan Queen has set this defense up, you have hybrid players at safety like Jaron Kears that we think of as almost linebackers sometimes. And I think that indirectly, Marquise Bell is an unfortunate winner of the Marvin Overshone injury. And I say unfortunate because it's it's weird to say that, oh, he's a winner out of that injury. But his stock definitely saw a little bump, I think, when Overshone was announced out for the season. Because you were talking about Marquise Bell versus Juan J. Thomas, and we were talking about Thomas being a free safety, potentially helping out his case. Now I want somebody that can play more in the box because I might need it more urgently. And I might be way more comfortable just keeping Juan J. Thomas in the practice squad in the event that Malik Hooker goes down injured. Right now, what I want is Marquise Bell to be available to me on game days because I know that I can play him in the box more often. And I might need that with the way that my linebacker room is set up which is virtually zero depth. And sure, Jabril Cox and Devin Harper could step up, could rise to the occasion, all of that. But these are guys that have about 45 defensive snaps combined in their careers, and they all belong to Jabril Cox because Devin Harper has never played on defense. He was a rookie last year, got injured early in the year, so we didn't get to see pretty much anything from him. So that's what I'm thinking right now. At linebacker and at safety, to me, these two positions go hand in hand. And by the way, at safety, I obviously have Hooker making it, Wilson, Kears, and easy Mukwamu, who is also kind of cornerback depth. We really don't know what the Cowboys' plan is there, but we know he can do a little bit of everything. Let's see. I I, I love that I just see the comments. I can kind of like pop and pop and pop because I know that everyone is tossing in. Their their comments right there. Now, good comment here from Professor. Oh, he says, for for what it's worth, Todd Arker said that Stephen Jones mentioned safeties who can play linebacker, and Stephen Jones mentioned Juan J. Thomas specifically. That is pretty interesting. It's gonna be fun to see how their safety room is set up when it's all said and done. Because I would have I I would have looked at Marquise Bell as more of that direct. Le- replacement if, if that makes sense but hey maybe the cowboys disagree and maybe it ends up helping Juanji. we'll see david says i liked thomas i'm assuming that joseph is in special teams because he's trash or we're gonna get into the cornerback room which is tough it really is tough man dan queen's got chess pieces his lance bell and man that is the beauty of positionless football Trade for a veteran linebacker and cut Josh Balls as a guru. Making the moves already. Now, let's get into this discussion right here. Because I, hey, I know. I know. Let me read to you some of these comments. Oh. Let me read to you some of these comments right now. We've got Guru saying, Cowboys conning Scott Jr., the guy they traded up in the draft to select, I disagree with Scott being cut here and I respect you for it because man, I struggled with that one so much. Uh, I don't doubt it. I don't doubt it that they're going to maybe want to keep him if possible. Professor O says Scott had a strong start to training camp, but then he has fizzled out big time in the preseason and Colin says, but he's a draft pick. And that is the debate that I had going on in my head when I was trying to put this together and make it all fit on my Google Drive spreadsheet because that is a tough cornerback room to put together. Let's go through it. let's go through the list here. big three Stefan Dix Stefan Dix <laughs> Oh man there are too many layers to that mistake but anyways <laughs> Trayvon Dix excuse me at cornerback Stefan Gilmore the Ron bland. That's your starting three. Nobody's going to doubt that. All right? Those three are locks. Get it over with. Jordan Lewis is tough because we don't know what the plan is for him. Is he going to start on pop and miss the first four games? Or is he going to be ready to go by week two? And maybe the Cowboys want to have a guy that we might have forgotten about, but the guy can play. Who knows what he looks like after surgery? But we know that when he was healthy, when he was playing, he was a very solid nickel cornerback for the Cowboys. And he's got experience. And when you're talking about your backup, if one of the outside cornerback goes down, chances are it's going to be Deron Bland being kicked outside. So the, one, the guy that you, the, the role, excuse me, that you want to have a backup for is nickel cornerback. And Jordan Lewis, I would feel pretty comfortable with him stepping into game day. Uh, He's been around for a while, so he's got experience already. He's started games for the Cowboys. He has started games for Dan Queen in Dan Queen's defense. So I would be comfortable with that. Is he healthy, though? We don't know. I didn't want to assume that he was going to go on pop because I really have. No idea. So I had to include him on the roster. I took the hard way and I said, let's let's keep Lewis in there. And then the this disc, the discussion begins with Nishang Wright, with Eric Scott Jr., Kelvin Joseph, and CJ Goodwin. And let me tell you, it is not an easy debate right there, my friends, because Scott Jr., I see all that you're saying, guys, and I agree with you. And that is why I had Eric Scott Jr. in my Previous projection, but is he does he have an impossible path to the practice squad? I don't think so. I really don't think that he has an impossible path to the practice squad. I think that the Cowboys could sneak him in there. Now, Kelvin Joseph has played well. Let's face it, Kelvin Joseph, for all that we've said about him in the past, has played well in the preseason there's no other way of of saying it and you know the shift to nickel cornerback has helped him out and eric scott junior as excited as they are about him and about what he can be he isn't right now he can be something okay he isn't and this is a <laughs> this is a legitimate super bowl contending team We're not talking about a rebuilding team. We're not talking about a team that might make the playoffs and mess around and pull off some some surprise victories. This is a Super Bowl-caliber team right now that we're talking about. So do I want the guy who can be something, or do I want the guy that is, even if it isn't a big-time thing, too, because I'm not going to give too much flowers to to Kelvin Joseph. I'm going to keep it real. I'm not going to give him so many flowers. I'm just going to say... He's a better cornerback right now than Eric Scott Jr. is. So, under that logic, I'm risking it. I'm keeping KJ over Eric Scott. And now we get into the discussion of CJ Goodwin. And, man, let me tell you my point of view with KJ. Excuse me, with CJ. I felt, I feel like I've doubted this guy for about. <laughs> 3 years now. Where I say, "Oh, come on. The guy cannot play defense. He won't play defense." And then the Cowboys remind me of how much they like what he brings to the table on special teams. I respect it. I really do. And he had a tremendous rep in the preseason where he kind of reminded of of reminded us of why, too. And I'm looking at the Cowboys and I'm going, Luke Gifford, the special teams snaps leader, is gone. Overshawn, who was a direct replacement for that on special teams, is gone for the year. Am I going to lose CJ now? Am I going to add to that weight that John Bones is going to be carrying? I don't know. I don't know that the Cowboys are going to want to do that. Because if you move on from CJ Goodwin... Heading into the into the regular season, who is your special teams ace? Or or do you have any sort of continuity on special teams going into 2023? Because let me let me fire this up really quickly. I'm gonna look up the snap counts for the special teams in 2022, and you would have Gifford, Goodwin, Kelvin Joseph, and Peyton Hendershot. As the top four guys. The guys that have played over 60% of the snaps on special teams. So we can talk about Kelvin being the next CJ Goodwin. But it seems to me that the Cowboys kind of need both. So Kelvin wouldn't be taking on uh, CJ's role as a special teams ace. The Cowboys might need both. Because they're two of the top three guys on special teams naps counts for from last year. And look, Gifford is the other one and he is gone. And the replacement that he had for him is also gone. So I'm kind of like thinking about it from all points of view. And I'm saying, you know what? CJ Goodwin is making it in my opinion. Let's see what you had. Uh, what you guys have to say though. Uh, shout out to Tito Rodriguez, who's a huge Broncos fan and my brother. Shout out to him. Thank you for tuning into the show. David says, I disagree. Joseph is always getting burned. In the preseason, he isn't. Uh, right now, he isn't. In the last couple of games, he hasn't. Has he had one or two bad reps? Sure. He hasn't been getting burned all the time in the preseason. And from what I've heard from like people that are attending these training camp practices, they all kind of agree that it hasn't been nearly as bad as some people will make it out to be. Lance's KJ has proved his performance so far. I believe in Ice Island says Marky. there you go Isaiah island is, is the is a guy. Goodwin can go says Professor O and hey he might he really might. I know that he's a player that has that that is in uh a, a French player if you will. Miller, what is up? thank you for joining the show Go Cowboys there you go. thank you for being here. So that leaves us with special teams, and there's really not a lot to say right here. You've got Brian Anger, who's one of the best punters in the NFL. You've got Trent Seag, long snapper, and then you've got Brandon Aubrey as a lone kicker on the roster. Could that change? I think it would be a surprise at this point. Brandon Aubrey is slowly picking it up, and I'm not going to be super excited about the kicker position, but I guess that he's been doing better. Let the USFL in field goals uh, not that long ago. Uh, Was this for the 2022 season or the. I always forget. Uh, But Brandon Arvery led the USFL in one of his two years. He was an all USFL player. He's a two time champion in the USFL. We'll see. The NFL is a different animal, not only. From a players on the field perspective. But also I guess from the mental point of view too. For the kicker. So I'm not excited about Aubrey. Not at all. But maybe not in full panic mode. I just ask the Cowboys for this. Go for it. As much as you can. Let's let's go for it. On 4th down. That is where I'm at. Basically. If a, If they do that favor to us. They can do whatever they want with, with the kicker position, I guess. Anyways, quick thoughts of the of this roster before I uh, get out of here. I'm most looking forward to seeing what happens with the tight end room. Is Sean McKeon actually gonna make it? Is he gonna be a surprise cut? I don't think he will. Uh, if he does make it, does Hunter Lipkey? Surprise us by making a spot on uh, by taking a spot on the roster. Or does he go on practice squad as we would be expecting out of this projection? Offensive line, can TJ Bass take a roster spot away from Josh Ball, is what I want to see. And I want to see on Saturday night who takes the field. Because we might have a surprise in store for us there after today's practice, where TJ Bass was getting many reps at right guard over Ball, who was getting the reps at right tackle with the second team offense at times so that's going to be interesting to see and then on defense to me it's all about Isaialand how do you find a way to keep this, this guy who has been so impressive as an undrafted rookie linebacker do you go get somebody that's one of my biggest questions and then cornerback we already went over it Eric Scott Kelvin Joseph, Jordan Lewis, and Ashan Wright feel like, and even CJ Goodwin are all moving pieces to me. And does Juan J. Thomas beat out Marquise Bell at safety? I think those are the biggest storylines. These are my projections. There's still going to be one over at adcsports.com after the preseason game where I'm going to have my prediction. It's not going to be a projection anymore. It's going to be my prediction after the preseason. So stay tuned for that. And again... If you're interested in checking out the Rinin roster projection that I put together for ADC Sports, where I have not only the guys that are making it, but the guys that are not making it. So I have every cut in there. You can check it out at adcsports.com/slash Dallas. And if you're watching on YouTube right now, it's actually linked in the description in case you want to check that out long show <laughs> long show but it was a fun one and i'm looking forward to seeing you guys tomorrow do me a favor though hit the thumbs up for me hit the like button that helps me put this show in front of more and more cowboys fans y nos vemos el dia de mañana 8. de la noche muchísimas gracias bye